I have been waiting for this podcast since the checkered flag fell on Sunday. Welcome to Northeast on NASCAR, by the way. This is Paulie Oliveri, as always, with the diecast dude, Keith Merrick. We have a big white line controversy, which has become trademark with super speedway racing. Denny Hamlin wins. Matt Benedetto gets penalized. Chris Buescher gets penalized. Chase Elliott got penalized, but then the penalty was rescinded. Let's dive right into it, Keith. Talladega and 13 cautions. Um, the most I believe that's ever happened at the track, which is pretty insane considering the fact that Talladega and cautions um, usually is in the same sentence. Um, and I know it's with the stage cautions and all that stupid bullshit, but regardless, if you take away with that, it's, it's 11 different incidents you had on track, which is insane. It's crazy. Um, you know, you start off the race, you have, I think it was two cautions in the first like 10 laps. Um, so that was pretty psychotic. You get further and further into the race. You have these stages where they set this shit up and it creates the intensity and the mentality of, okay, go, go, go right now. You cause more accidents, you cause more chaos and NASCAR loves to see that. But I tell you right now, the team owners don't because that just wrecks a ton of fucking race cars. Um, Clint Boyer, he can eat my nuts. I don't give a shit. He just fucking, he looked at the back of the 48 car and was like, man, it looks mighty good to just fuck up right now. So he, he's, he's a douchebag. I love him as a person, as a driver, suck a dick. Um, Kurt Busch pulled a car's one move and was just on top of Cole Custer, just rolling, rolling, rolling. So, I mean, Kurt Busch, he has horrible fucking luck at the plate races. I swear he does. How he won the, the, the Daytona 500 in 2017 still blows my mind because this man never has anything go his way. Um, but then, of course, the big thing that is just the elephant in the room, the finish. Matthew Benedetto, he is hanging in limbo right now with his current team, Wood Brothers Racing. Um, does not have a ride set up for the 2021 season. Um, and he has this guy by the name of Austin Singer that is waiting in the wings. There are six schedule next season. And right now, Team Penske and Warren Brothers Racing is saying that will be a really great fucking pairing. So Matthew Benedetto was on the hot seat. He needed to do something to boost his stock, whether it be Warren Brothers or another top team. I mean, Matthew Benedetto, he had to do whatever he could to try to win the race. How he went about it, uh, it was questionable. Uh, he blocked everything from here to Indiana, so um, that was a big issue. You know, he just about caused two wrecks on the on the final lap, the final turn. Um, and of course, Denny Hamlin went on and, and won the race and kind of shot down Matthew Benedetto and all his fans and all the hopes and dreams of having something go perfectly well for him. Um, so Denny Hamlin, of course, gets a seventh win of the season, but not without a cloud of controversy and that controversy being the yellow line rule. So Paulie, please explain to us what the yellow line rule is. Now you are not supposed to advance your position going below the white line, the yellow line, depending on which track you're at this week, it was white. And what happened was Hamlin was forced down by William Byron, who was, basically about to get hit by Matt Benedetto, and it was either get wrecked or move below. And Hamlin 
there, there were a gaggle of cars in front of him and Hamlin had no, it was either wreck yourself or go below the line, put yourself in a better position to win. And Hamlin did what any smart person would do. And he went below. Now I, I was pissed at it because just, it was Danny Hamlin winning another race and, between him and Harvick, it's just I, I would have liked to see somebody else, but I, I watched the replay countless times after just to see where I, I my my true stance on the issue. And Hamlin did nothing wrong, and it's just we're so used to this debate. NASCAR should really just toss this rule. And I'm 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 just it, it it it's exhausting me. I'm I'm fumbling my words. Just just like it's just got me going crazy. The big issue that I have with all of this is the fact that Denny Hamlin. Now let me preface this you. Uh, you said that William Byron forced him down. First and foremost, he got down onto the apron in the middle of three and four because the Benedetto threw a block on Eric Jones. Jones was going high, and then he shot back down low, just about wrecked Chris Busher. And Hamlin has come with a head of steam. He's got the draft of all four cars. He is ripping down the bottom lane, trying to get to the front of the field. And Jones and Busher are playing footsie, and Hamlin has nowhere to go. So he goes down to the bottom, and he advances his position on them, which is rightfully so. You either hold your line on the yellow line, and you wreck Chris Busher and whoever else is behind this little pack, or you, you do that. You go down under the racetrack. And you go and advance your position to keep your car safe and your opportunity to win the race alive. And as he's coming up on the exit of the turner before, the 21 just chocks the shit out of the 24 William Byron. And Byron just about wrecks. How the man saved it, I don't know. Shout out to that Ricky Hendrick throwback car. Love that thing. Um, but I know he's got to save his career. But God damn, dude. I mean, I know you're under the same, you know, hood of the Penske boys, but don't do the same shit as them. You know, like, uh, it, it was just very frustrating. And, and I wanted Matt Donato to win. But at the same time, Denny Hamlin, he's on the bottom of the racetrack, finally gets back up onto the, the racing surface, never advanced his position on the 24 and the 21. And I have people on Twitter posting this picture of Denny Hamlin in the year of 2026 fucking trying to pass them and it's like bro you're missing everything that happened before this and you're trying to paint this rule in this situation black or white it has to be a fluid situation what led up to everything here and why did nascar make this call and i got people losing their fucking shit 90 percent of the reason is probably because of the fact that matt dominadetto didn't win the race and denny hamlin did which dominadetto and chris busher both got penalized chase elliott originally got penalized but he got fucked out of that so that went away for him. That was rescinded. But I know that people don't want to hear this, but I don't give a fuck. NASCAR made the right call. For once in this weekend at Talladega, NASCAR made the right call on every count. And the fact that NASCAR made the right call does not take away from the fact that this rule, it, it has, from the moment it came out, has been inconsistently enforced. People feel like NASCAR plays favorites a lot. Dale Earnhardt Jr., who benefited from NASCAR's inconsistency in 2003 when he put a block on Matt Kenseth and forced him below the line, wound up winning the race 
Hmm. Actually, no, it was the other way around. Kenseth forced Junior yes. below the line, but well, Junior advanced. Uh, yeah, but, and, and, and Junior NASCAR... was one to say this weekend that this rule is ridiculous. Like the fact that one of the greatest restricted plate racing drivers ever is sitting there telling the higher ups of the sport, get rid of this rule. You need to open your fucking ears and you need to listen for just a second at the fact that Dale Earnhardt Jr. Not even that hall of fame drivers would not talk to NASCAR and say, Hey, change this. If they really didn't feel like they needed it to change. Tony Stewart, I remember back in 2016 with the lug nut rule, he came out and he was like, yo, this is bullshit. Change this immediately. And you know what? NASCAR fucking did. But like you said, we had talked about this before. Scott Miller, he said there's there's no change in this rule and there's not going to be a change. And all I'm replaying in my head are two scenarios. Regan Smith getting fucked out of it with my Tony Stewart and that stupid fucking line rule. And Carl Edwards having a beer with the fucking fans in the grandstands. All right. That dude got launched into the grandstands because Brad Keselowski never moved from the yellow line. Because of what happened one race prior at Talladega, where Regan Smith, he goes below the line because he got forced. He quote unquote wins the race, gets screwed out of the whole situation. And Brad Keselowski is in position to win his first career race just a few months later. And he's going to hold his line. And Carl Edwards spins, comes back up the track. His car was already starting to lift. And Ryan Newman ass blasts the shit out of the fucking 99 car and throws him into the catch fence at a million miles an hour. It was so fucking scary to watch as an 11-year-old. And it is even scarier to think about that this was 11 years ago and it has not changed. Fun fact. I was like 15 when that happened and i i got in trouble a lot when i was a kid i was always sent to my room and i would i I would be able to get a glimpse of the tv from the top of the steps so i was able to watch the finish of that race and it it took everything in me not to just scream out loud holy shit because it was crazy and going back to the the line rule if NASCAR didn't change it after fans could have been killed in a situation like what would ha- what happened with Brad and Carl, they're not changing it. And again, Scott Miller's comments show me that they have no interest in anything other than what they're doing, and it's ridiculous. Moving on. That's scary. It's it's scary and it's discouraging. And and the thing is, is the fact that. Before we go on to the next topic, I hate to be this morbid, but I have a very bad feeling that something catastrophic is going to have to happen for NASCAR to finally turn their heads and say, hey, we got to get rid of this rule. And I don't want it to come down to that, but NASCAR has their heads so far up their asses that they're just not seeing it. And it's it's really, it's a shame. Moving on, uh, big news for you. You're going to have another guy to root for next year, Alex Bowman. Yes, sir. He's going to be the new driver of the 48 with full sponsorship from Ally, which is good for him because he was struggling mighty bad to find sponsorship for the 88. And as far as what goes on with the new, the former 88 team, we'll find out whether they're going to keep the number, who's going to drive it. 
the the hot rumor right now, and we we touched up on this last week, is it's looking more and more like Kyle Larson is going to be in that fourth Hendrick car. Well, Kyle Larson, of course, on Sunday evening had released a uh, an essay based upon what had occurred um, back, I believe it was in either March or April, where he did drop a race. It was 15 slurp. years ago, by the um, way. <laughs> it fucking feels like it. I, know. I just um, want 2020 to end so bad. Oh, God. But um, he released an essay. Um, he had said how unbelievably apologetic he was, but also how thankful he was for the people that he spoke to to try and get him better so he can better understand why that word is so unbelievably horrible to say and so derogatory and what it has meant to so many different generations of African-American and just to any American. It's, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible fucking word to say, and it should never come out of anybody's mouth. And the fact that, you know, he went out of his way and he wanted to get better. He listed a lot of different things that he had done. He'd even gone to services for George Floyd um, after he was killed by police brutality. Um, he, he wanted to strengthen himself. He did this for nobody else. I, I mean, I speak for everybody. I saw nothing on Kyle Larson's social media from the time that this happened to right now that said, hey, look what I'm doing. No, th- this was nothing nothing for us this was everything for him and when i saw that come out my respect for him went through the roof and i've heard certain people on twitter say it is not for people who are not of african-american descent to appreciate and accept the apology for which i understand but at the same time you got to think about it there are certain people who were fans of kyle larson that are no longer fans of his because of this. And I think that there's a little bit of, you know, uh, I guess um, some closure, I guess you could say, that he really does feel bad and he, he does want another chance. And um, I think that this was a very big turning point for him. But back on track with the 48, Alex Bowman goes to the 48 car. Um, is I think is the best decision they could have done. Um, to keep Alex Bowman, like you said before, he was struggling with sponsorship. He lost his nationwide sponsorship um, last season, and he almost didn't have sponsorship for a lot of races this year. But Rick Hendrick is an unbelievable businessman. Talked to Chevy Goods, um, Adams Polishes, Truck Hero, NoCo, and they all hopped on board, and they gave him a lot of support, um, along with Cincinnati, Valvoline, Exalta. Um, so definitely huge for Alex Bowman to finally get a solidified ride. Um, Ally had a lot of... They had a lot of pull in who they wanted in that race car. And Ally said, we want Alex Bowman in there. So he's going to be fully sponsored for 21 to 23, which is awesome. Really, really happy for that. Um, Exalta, of course, they um, take their sponsorship solely over to the 24 car, William Byron. Um, And then where Cincinnati goes, where Valvoline goes as a a primary sponsor, um, if Chevy Goods even comes back, that will go to whatever number is going to be the fourth Hendrick car, which is looking more and more likely like Kyle Larson, which I am in approval of. I think it's a really good move to have him in the race car, but you also have Eric Jones that's floating out there with no reputation. He's a solid race car driver. He is a proven winner, a proven champion, who went up against, at the time, the two-time defending Truck Series champion of Matt Crafton and looked him in the face and beat him and uh, went over the JGR program went out, won a few races in the Infinity Series, 
Um, came up through the Cup Series program. Won Daytona in 2018. Won the Southern 500 last At year. At 2 in the morning. And, and uh, Avery Hage, he put out a, uh, a tweet today, and it was the average finishes of the first five chase races. And um, the guy that's not in the playoffs is currently number one in the average finish category, and that is Eric Jones with 7.8. That is insane that Eric Jones is running that well. Um, he is outperforming all of his JGR teammates. And then you got to think, what the hell was holding him back this whole time? You know, but Eric Jones really showing his his might. He, he wants to get a good ride for next year, and I really hope he does. Right now it's looking like he might get a 37 um, from Ryan Priest, which I, I hope not. I hope he goes to a better car than that. But there's really not many options out there for him at the moment, so. Just hoping for the best for him, man, because he is a solid race car driver. But as far as everything with Hendrick Motorsports is concerned, I think it was the right call on the 48. And we'll see what number and what driver is for the fourth Hendrick car. Now, I want to have a little bit of fun with with the podcast. I know next year there's going to be a new racing series created by Tony Stewart, Ray Abraham, and a few other guys. It's called the SRX Series. I'm too lazy to go on online and look at what it stands for because i forgot I just not- the superstar racing experience thank you keith but it, it, it's gonna happen next year and it's kind of got that pga champions whatever tournament vibe where it's a bunch of older drivers who are past the prime of their career get off the top of my head you got tony stewart bobby labani bill elliott was just announced Tony Kanaan, Paul Tracy, Willie T. Ribs, I think Elio Castroneves was as well. And it's it Did you say Bill Yes. Elliott? Yeah, he's he's on there. That's a cool fucking list right there. Um, I mean it's it's so cool, but like piggybacking off of the PGA thing, it's kind of like an I rock for old people. Yeah. So it's it's just it, you just take a bunch of fucking washed up drivers. That can still win, by the way. I think you put any one of those drivers in a competitive race car in any professional racing series, say you have like 25 cars, they could probably finish in the top 12. Easy. So these guys, they aren't, they're not, they're no schleps. You know, they have, they have nothing but really good talent inside of them. And I think that given what everything is all about, this could be a very, very exciting series. See, back in my day, we had the SRX, but it was called the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. <laughs> because <laughs> you, you think about it, a lot of the SRX... No, the Craftsman Truck Series. You think about it, a lot of these SRX drivers are washed-up cup guys, like Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte. Well, I mean, they, they retired, but still, it's older cup guys. And back in the day... If you didn't pan out in, in the Cup Series, a lot of the time you went to the Truck Series because there were drivers who were decent in the Cup Series, but then you put them in the Truck Series, they were winning championships. Guys like Bobby Hamilton, Ted Musgrave, Johnny Benson. I know, I know he was in the Truck Series before he went to Cup, but then Mike Skinner went back into the Truck Series after his Cup career panned, and he almost won another championship. Ron Hornaday, same thing, was successful in the Trucks, went to Cup, didn't do too well, went to the Bush Series for a little bit, but he went back to trucks and won a couple of more championships and won five races in a row. And honestly, I, I'm i going to be honest. This conversation like about the trucks needing to have that older 
representation back is why I brought up the SRX because like I want to be able to talk about that. And I think there are drivers that I feel like like Trevor Bain almost won the the truck race on Saturday. I think I swear, what I saw on Twitter. I didn't watch the he, race. He, dude. He missed it by like a half a truck length. But honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to him in the truck series. I don't like him, but I think David Reagan would do decent if he was in a good truck. I don't know. I might get hate for that, but David Reagan isn't okay. I'm not gonna say that. I will yeah. say he's not a bad driver, but <laughs> that's a, that's you know a horrible what? take. I, I, I've said a lot of things over the years about David Reagan that I'm not going to take back because, look, he, if you're not cut out for Cup, you're not cut out for Cup. David Reagan was given the 18 car the year that Kyle Busch won the championship and had one top five. Kyle Busch got back in the car, won five races and the championship, and but uh, again, I and I, I I stand by my comments on David Reagan for the Cup Series, Truck Series. I don't know the the field is not that deep. It I I I, I want to put David Reagan in a truck just to see if he could do it. Because if you can't do it in in a field like that, then Jesus Christ, you have problems. Yeah, like that series is it is a shit show. I mean. Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, I mean, I'm going to put that right at the forefront of everything. Kyle Busch Motorsports, five years ago, had Eric Jones winning the championship. Several race winners, Christopher Bell won the dirt race at Eldora. Kyle Busch was still belting off race victories. I mean, the Kyle Busch Motorsports was the epitome of dominance. And that was where you wanted to be if you wanted to step your career up to the next level. Bubba Wallace back in 2013, 2014, won five races. Look where he is right now. He'll be running for Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan. Eric Jones, he has a solid cup career going, two race victories. I know his his career is kind of hanging in the balance with the top-tier ride, but he is still a cup series driver. You have drivers like Christopher Bell, who was a full-time driver in the cup series. He's also a truck series champion, you know. And then you look at the drivers they have right now. Raphael Lassard, Christian Eckes. I mean, and, and there's one other kid. I don't even remember what the fuck his name is. There's one other person that's out there who, who's driving for KBM, and that just shows you how forgettable that lineup is right now. It is not a superior lineup. And then Greg Biffle. Greg Biffle hopped into this truck a year ago and just stomped all over the field with this black number 51 with the fucking Toyota logo on the hood. And one, and you're gonna sit here and tell me that you know, like, this is gonna be the next generation of superstar. Come on now, man. Greg Biffle, he's a truck champion, the Xfinity Series champion, and he went out for the first time in a NASCAR vehicle in over three years or almost three years, and won first first time out. I mean, come on now, dude. It is insane the fact that if you put some top-notch drivers. Look at the drivers that are driving there right now. Matt Craffin, you know, a, a chiseled veteran when it comes to the truck series. Johnny Sauter. And like you said, a driver like Trevor Bain, who has multiple sclerosis, lost his ride in 2018 in the Cup Series. Hasn't raced since. I think he's running, like, some kind of local store at home. And I think it's a coffee shop. And he hops back in 
with Nice Motorsports, and he almost wins the whole thing at Talladega. I mean, the sport needs big names. People, and I will include myself in this, have said, I don't want cup regulars in there. I don't want big names in there. I rescind everything. I take back everything. The sport, on like the two series under the cup series, they need big names. That is what is making these drivers chiseled. I mean, I'm not Chase Elliott. I'm not going to say that they need big names, but they need lifers and they need the lifers to do well. I have said for a couple of years now, I think Justin Allgaier should stay in the Xfinity series. It's it's like guys like Jason Keller back in the day where he wasn't getting a shot in a cup car. He wasn't going to have a successful cup career. He he never won a Bush Series championship, but he came close back in 2002. And Allgaier could very well win a championship, maybe even this year. But yes, I was just going to say, I mean, think about it. Allgaier, he went out, he won back-to-back races at Dover and Richmond. And then now he's going to be going to, should he get to the Final Four in Phoenix, he won at Phoenix last fall. He can get the job done at that racetrack. And that's a scary fucking thought. The fact that, you know, the two drivers that have been the most dominant down in that series being Chase Briscoe and Austin Cindric, who very well could be going up to the Cup Series next season to take their respectable rides in the 14 and the 21. Um, the fact that Justin Allgaier is their biggest competition is insane. But I'm not writing it off for shit because Allgaier, he can win. You put him in a good position, he can win. Yeah, and having the consistent names, it's, it's you might not be getting the Cup Series drivers when you go to the Xfinity Series and you have guys like Justin Allgaier, Michael Annette, or whoever. I'm, I'm, I'm only throwing Annette out there because he's the first person besides Allgaier that I could think of off the top of my head that's been there for, for, for a while. But if, if you can give them, if you can give these young drivers pe- drivers that know the series, they know the cars, it'll help them. I I don't know if it'll help them to the degree of Kyle Busch racing in the series, but they won't get their asses stomped with Allgaier, which could be good because you have the familiar familiar names and you have competition, which is where I feel the cup regulars kind of take away from the competition aspect of it. The problem that I'm having with it is the fact that, like, I like I said, I was a guy that wanted the Cup Series drivers out of the Xfinity Series. You know, I, I wanted all the, you know, Xfinity Series or all truck series. And now I'm realizing because the drivers are coming up through the ranks, they're not nearly as good as the drivers we saw 10 years ago hopping into the Cup Series. You know, you had drivers like Joey Logano step into the sport and he held his ground against a driver like Kevin Harvick. You know what I mean? Like these drivers that were coming up through the ranks and, and they were hitting, they were literally jumping into the cup series being competitive. And that was important was to go against drivers that, you know, you knew who they were. I remember back in 2014 when Chase Elliott won in Texas and he went out, he beat Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Dale Earnhardt Jr. All champions in the Xfinity series. 
all drivers that have ridiculously successful Cup Series careers. And Chase Elliott went up against all of them and defeated them. And then the next week at Darlington, another reputable name he went up against, Elliott Sadler, and beat him at Darlington. Come on now. You know, like, and look where Chase Elliott is right now. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, he's going to go out and, and win the championship for six straight seasons. But to not write him into the, the championship conversation would be very foolish of me. He very well has a shot. He has a shot to win at the Roval this weekend. He is the favorite. You know, and you've got drivers like Ryan Blaney. I remember he won at Kentucky 2013. He went and he beat Kyle Busch at Bristol in 2013 in the Xfinity Series. I mean, and look where they are right now. You know, the drivers that I'm listing off, Brad Keselowski, over 30 career cup wins. And he's got the 2012, you know, uh, cup, uh, cup Series championship to his name. He went up against these guys and he defeated them. And I think that this, the sport of the Trinity Series and the Truck Series, they're lacking, maybe not just, you know, Cup Series regulars, but they are lacking chiseled veterans that could very well excel them into the next step of their career. Yeah, and you, you see Ron Hornaday was the first representative of the Truck Series to be enshrined in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And with the way that the trucks in the Xfinity Series are, you're not really going to get drivers like that, that, that race no. in our era. I mean, I think Jack Ingram is in, Sam Art is in. I can't really think of anybody else that can get in based on their success alone in the lower series that has raced since like 2010. Like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I think as far as the truck series goes, I think Jack Sprague should be in because he was dangerous in the late nineties. Mike Skinner really by virtue of being the first truck series champion, I, I, I think he should be in because of that. But Again, like it's it, it would help the identity of the Xfinity series and the truck series to have lifers. Now, I know this, I, I want to wrap up soon because my battery is dying, but I want to talk about the Roval. We're okay, four guys are getting eliminated next week, and I think that the guys at the bottom right now are going to be the ones that are eliminated unless one of them wins. And who would have thought Kyle Busch? The biggest name that's there right now is Kyle fucking Busch. And he called his shot before the first, the second round even started. He's like, we're not making it pass. And unfortunately for him, it's looking like it. I mean, he's got a very steep climb to make. Uh, I think it's over 20 points that he's got to make up. Um, and in one, in one race swing, that means that Kyle Busch needs a driver that is low on the totem pole in terms of who's in the top eight right now to have a catastrophic failure early in the race, get no stage points in either either stage, and not finish. Um, and basically totally just shoot themselves, and Kyle Busch would need to capitalize. Or... Something he hasn't done all year long. Win. Is win. He has not won a race this year, which he would be the first driver since 1981, Dale Earnhardt, to win the championship and then the next season go winless. The only one that's ever gotten close to that would be uh, Brad Keselowski in 2013. 
which he won very end of the season, missed the playoffs, and won the fall Charlotte race. That was his only race victory in the 2013 season, and that was the only way that he was saving himself from not having that statistic be his name. So Kyle Busch in a JGR car um, underperforming is, is, is quite insane to me, but he's got he's to turn it up big time when it comes to the Roval. I mean, the last two races, that they're, the, the two races that they have run there, you know, he hasn't been one of those names that's been knocking up the door, but here's the thing. You're going to have a low downforce package uh, for this weekend. Of course, the Daytona road course had the high downforce because of the speed concerns. But you're going to have a low downforce package um, on a road course. And I don't know. I, I think Kyle Busch could very well be dangerous. Um, he has to keep his nose clean. He has to be at the front of the field for the majority of the race and get as many stage points as he possibly can accumulate. And he could see himself in the next round, but it's, it's going to take a lot. You know, right now, I, I have to say that Kyle Busch will be eliminated, um, along with, uh, I believe it's Clint Boyer. Who else is down there? Is it Eric Almarola? And there's one more, Austin Dillon. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. And, and I want to say so, Austin Dillon is definitely the surprise of the playoffs, not only because he made it past the round of 16, but the fact that that first round was just so good, coming close to winning at Darlington, finishing top five in – at least one of the other races, he, he really surprised me. And I'm not surprised that his, his season is going to be ending this weekend, but it, it, it was a breath of fresh air for, for the sake of parody. But again, I, I agree with you. I don't think that any of those guys are going to make it past because you have to win and, with guys like Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr., who have just been so dangerous on the road courses, Elliott especially as of late, I think it's going to be very hard to do. And then on top of that, you also have drivers such as Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, the two most dominant drivers this season, and they are road course winners. It's not like they don't have like they don't have any accolades to them. And I'm going to be horribly biased right now, but Jimmy Johnson finished fourth of the Daytona Roval, and he almost won the Charlotte Roval. Uh, two years ago, that still breaks my heart to think about. But he almost won that race. And on top of that, he also had a solid race last year if it weren't for him getting fucked in a, after a, a restart. He, he still had a finish ninth with a beat-up race car. You know, so uh, I think he gets thrown into the conversation. And, of course, road courses, they can go any way. But I think the two names that uh, scream the loudest are, are definitely Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr. All right, so Sunday we will find out what happens with the Roval. We'll find out who gets eliminated. That's going to do it for today. For Keith Merrick, the diecast dude, this is Paul the Oliveri. Oh, and before I go, Keith Merrick was pl- was in a YouTube video this past week. Keith, you want to talk about it before we sign out? So my good buddy, Brendan Little, he is on uh, Twitter. I believe his name is at Brendan underscore L22. Um, he has a YouTube channel, and he uh, he contacted me about three weeks ago, and he said, hey, listen, you're the biggest Jimmy Johnson fan that I know. I'm doing this video where I'm going to be listing his most iconic paint schemes, and I wanted you to devise the list, and I want you to dub over number five, number three, and number one on that list. And I said, oh, fucking sign me up. So there's a video out on YouTube. It is the most iconic Jimmy Johnson paint schemes. And you're going to hear this sexy ass voice on that video. 
So please go give it a watch, give it a like, give it a comment, and please follow Brendan. He's an awesome dude, a Joey Logano fan. He's not a douchebag either, just like uh, that cocksucker Joey Logano, apparently to Dalton Good. All right, so there you have it. We'll see you guys next Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, depending on when you feel like listening to it. For the Diecast Dude, Keith Merrick, this is Paulie Oliveri. We'll see you all next week on Northeast on NASCAR. Peace.